Well, good morning again. Uh, I'm happy and grateful and uh, for the privilege to bring forth God's Word. According to Barna, six out of ten Americans believe that Satan is only a symbol and he's not real. And 47% of Christians believe the same thing. One out of every four Christians believe that it doesn't matter what religion you are, because all of them lead to the same God. 31% of Christians believe heaven can be earned. Daily horoscope reading is equal among Christians and non-Christians. 35% of Christians believe it's okay to bend the rules to get what you want. One report showed that three out of every ten U.S. teens have played the Ouija board or had their palms read. Eight out of ten teens read horoscopes. You see, we're all fighting with some kind of shattered wisdom. Some kind of shattered wisdom we're all dealing with. Even King Solomon, David's son, who was granted the greatest wisdom from God, even he had shattered wisdom. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And he he worshipped and and built altars for false gods. Shattered wisdom falls upon all of us at different times within our lives. A friend of mine always said, we'd be talking about uh, protecting ourselves uh, from the uh, opposite gender, and he'd always say, greater men than I have fallen to this sin. He's referring to any sin, But in that case, it was a sexual sin. He said, we have to protect ourselves. We have to make sure that we are always looking for godly wisdom. And we need to continue to look to Christ for his example and for his help. We need to keep asking the Holy Spirit to guide us. Today, we're going to look at the shattered wisdom that fell upon King Saul. We've been doing this for several weeks And we've been seeing throughout our studies that Saul, he was not necessarily following the Lord. He continuously disobeyed him and he continued to ignore his commands. And today we learn of the outcome of these heartless decisions. So if you're able to, uh, would you stand with me as I read several verses from 1 Samuel 28. So we're skipping several chapters here. We're going to do chapter 28 this week, and I believe 25 next week. So we've jumped around a little bit in the book of First Samuel. Starting with verse 3. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunan. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the enemy of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, or by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on the garments 
put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Verse 15. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out the fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful for your word, all of your word. Uh, We're thankful for the complexity and at the same time the simplicity uh, of your word. We're thankful that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, and we pray that we could be blessed by your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. That was a mouthful. And we found that King Saul, that he himself was not able to hear from the voice of God. God appeared to be silent during a time of great need, and, and Saul doesn't know what, where to turn. And so basically, Saul, he succumbs to shattered wisdom. You see, shattered wisdom becomes a temptation when we're distressed. When we're distressed, it becomes a temptation. And definitely, when we experience loss. Distress is defined as extreme anxiety, sorrow, or pain. I've recently felt distressed. My father died unexpectedly on October 2nd. When I received that phone call at 2.45 in the morning, I experienced pain and suffering. Maybe you felt it too. Maybe you've been distressed because you've lost a loved one. Maybe you felt a lot of pain and distress because of a job or a loss of a friendship. Maybe you're like King Saul. Maybe, maybe you're feeling sorrow and anxiety because you can't hear from God. It doesn't appear 
that he's speaking to you. Maybe you've lost a mentor like Samuel, someone who is talking into your life. And when that happens, when that happens, we, we start getting tempted. We get tempted to follow wisdom that may lead us to destruction. We also feel distressed when enemies are gathering around us. When other enemies are gathering around us. King Saul had the Philistines approach in their camp. And he had fear and trembling because of the situation. He felt tormented by the thought that, that they were going to overtake his kingdom and overtake his family. And this brought heartache. And Saul all of a sudden started looking in the wrong places, didn't he? That's what happens when we're backed into a corner. When we feel like we're backed into a corner, we don't think straight. Our, our only goal is how do we get out of this corner? How do we fight to get out of this corner. What if you had a bill to pay? Or maybe it was overdue bill. And you couldn't think, I have no idea how to pay this. Or you received information from the doctor saying, there's nothing else we can do. You find out that false rumors are being spread about you. And everyone's believing it. Maybe a spouse tells you that enough's enough. We're done. You're backed into a corner. The bank says they have to foreclose on your farm. You have an assignment to do at school, and there's no way you're going to get it done by tomorrow. Maybe you should cheat. You start All these things start, start sneaking into your head. You get shattered wisdom. Maybe you have an addiction. You don't know how to get out of there. You see enemies gather around us all the time. And if we are not keeping our hearts and our minds focused on the sovereignty of God, we're in trouble. Our wisdom will soon become shattered. We also feel distressed when we feel like we've exhausted all of our options, when we've exhausted every option. King Saul, he had sought wisdom from priests. He had sought wisdom from any way he knew how he could communicate with the Lord. And he was getting no answers. He didn't have the guidance from his closest advisor, Samuel, anymore. Uh, he, he just, he had lost all of his possibilities. He feels like, even, even though he listened to Samuel, uh, or, or he disobeyed Samuel many times, he probably listened to him frequently. And so he, he didn't have that. He had no other options up his sleeve from his vantage point. And your wisdom is likely to be shattered when you can't see any other options. When you've done everything you can to save the marriage, you've done everything you can, you think, there, there's, there's no other options. I, I think of, if, if you are disciplining, you, you have a child who's doing something 80 times, the exact same thing 80 times. You have read books, you have sought experts, you have uh, disciplined in 20 different ways. 
and yet the child is doing the same thing? Your arms go up. I'm fed up with it. I've done every possible option. And that's the moment. That moment right there when your arms go up and you say, I have nothing else to do. I have no way of paying this bill. I have no way of taking care of this marriage. There's nothing else I can do. That's when, that's when you're about to do something that God hasn't ordained. That's a dangerous moment. I'm sure that many thieves have come to that point where, where they felt like there was no other options. I'm just going to steal something. I'm just going to take something. Shattered wisdom becomes a temptation when we feel desperate. When we feel desperate. And, and these are the times where we're susceptible to sin. That's when we're susceptible to sin. As I look at King Saul's situation... He understood that the Philistines were literally knocking on his door. They were literally knocking on his door. And Saul, he just felt desperate. When someone feels desperate, they feel a sense of hopelessness. They don't necessarily feel hopelessness, but they have a sense of hopelessness. And King Saul believed his situation was so bad it was impossible to deal with. You know, I was thinking, people everywhere deal with this sense of hopelessness. I don't know if King Saul dealt with some sort of form of depression. We've talked about that before. Did he, did he experience a form of depression? I do know that tens of thousands of people just in the United States deal with depression every single day. Every day they're suffering from it, uh, and, and they don't know how to deal with it. Even one of the greatest prophets, he had a bout with depression and overall desperation. I'm talking about Elijah. You guys know Elijah. What, what did he go through? He went through fear. He, he, had a, he had a time where he was extremely fearful in 1 Kings 19. And, and then he actually had a, an, a thought of suicide in the next verse. He prayed that he would die. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He had excessive tiredness. He slept for multiple days. And he had feelings of rejection. He couldn't believe that God was rejecting him, that the people were rejecting him. This depression, he lasted multiple months. But what, what's unusual about it, what happened just before this? For those of you who, are, uh, who know your scripture, he had just got done with one of the greatest messages, the greatest scenes of all time. He had preached a message where, where he took on 400 prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. Do you remember that? Remember he called fire from, from the heavens? And then just a couple hours later, he, he asked God, for rain, and it hadn't rained for three years. This was an amazing thing. And why would a guy who preached such a remarkable message, who saw tremendous things from God, all of a sudden feel despair? 
Why would he run away? There's dozens of reasons, probably. The fact is, though, he did. And that tells us that even God's most dynamic servants, even his most dynamic servants can suffer from hopelessness. It's not necessarily a mark of lack of faith. It's not necessarily a mark of an immoral lifestyle. You see, Elijah, he was the man of God during his time. And he was so far down, he was so far down in the depths of despair that even up looked wrong to him. And because of this, he was susceptible to sin. Another thing that happens when we're in desperation, we start going against our own guidance. We go against our own guidance. Look at Saul's situation. He did such a great thing. It's like Scripture sets him up in this situation. It, it knows what they know what they're going to say uh, a few verses down. He, he put a decree against evil things, including mediums and necromancers. Basically, he's saying if you're conjuring up evil spirits, you're not allowed in the kingdom. That's a good thing. Verse 3 says, And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. However, when Saul can't seem to find an answer on his own by trying to talk to God and trying to talk to other people, he wasn't able to talk to his most trusted companion, Samuel. He starts going against his own guidance. He, find me a witch, or a medium, as they say. Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go out to her and inquire of her. Side note, isn't that interesting that he said her? He wanted a woman uh, that they sought. And then his servant said, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. You know, I, I thought about what a challenge it is every week for a preacher to come up and preach God's word, and to preach challenges uh, to people. Because there have been many preachers who, who have succumbed to situations and who have, who have felt like they're on their last brink and, and, and they've, they've gone in different direction. I think it's Jim and Tammy Faye Baker they had a thriving ministry, and then Jim slept with his secretary, and, and they basically stole $158 million. And I know, I know that several of these preachers have, have gone to the Lord and, and begged for forgiveness and have truly changed their heart, but there are some great challenges that, that, that we have to be continuously going after the Lord and humbling ourselves. We need to be seeking godly wisdom through prayer, through counsel, through staying in God's word. There are things that will keep us from going against even our own guidance. As I guide you through things, as Pastor Dave guides you through things, as Pastor Tim guides through things, are we going to go against our own guidance? How many times do you do that as husband? You have a great idea and you share it with your wife and you're not even doing it yourself. Or, or you tell your kids, don't do this. And you're doing the exact same thing. 
Man, that's, that's convicting to me. Are we going against our own guidance? If we don't do these things, we're going to be led to sneaking around so as not to be noticed. For Saul, he put on a disguise. He didn't want anyone to notice him. For some of, some of the people, maybe you sneak, you go two towns away to hit the bar because no one knows me there. Maybe you sneak down in the middle of the night with your computer to watch pornography. Maybe you order stuff online in discreet packages that are delivered to your doorstep. You think to yourself, no one's going to notice. No one's going to catch me. No one, no one will see what I'm doing. Your wisdom is shattered. King Saul, totally undercover, found himself sneaking around under the cover of darkness. Verse 8 says, So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments. He's put on other clothes. He and two men went with them, and they came to the woman by, by night. I remember one night, Foolishness, I wasn't the smartest uh, high school student. And one night I went over to my friend John's house. And John's mom was looking at us, and she was trying to figure out why her son was rifling through all of the hats and the gloves and stuff. And she finally said, John, why are you wearing all black? as he's putting on the ski mask. Not to mention that his friend Phil was also wearing all black. He said, Mom, it's cold out. Well, what we were about to do is we were about to partake in a ritual, uh, tradition, where we TP places, including our high school. And we wanted to be covered in black. It was late at night. That should have been a clue for mom anyway. You see, we put on different clothes. And we go into the night. We want to sneak around. Because that's what happens when we get to a point where we are lacking wisdom. We don't want to be in the light. We want to hide from that. When King Saul made this move to visit the medium... He was no longer exposing his life to the light of the world. But instead, he was seeking answers in the world of darkness. He wanted answers from the medium who could speak to those who were no longer with us. He wanted to talk to the dead. Remember earlier in the, in the chapter, it said that Samuel had died. So he's going to this lady because he really wants to talk to Samuel. Okay, here's what I read. Channeling is a method of trying to communicate with the spirit world that has existed since ancient times. Most modern channelers 
learn the art through the practice of Eastern meditation. This mildly altered state of consciousness, it enables the, the channeler to paranormally perceive spirit messages. These manifest themselves as thought voice, which is perceived in the stillness of the medium's mind. Experienced mediums can enter into a trance state whereby the spirit entity takes direct control of the person, speaking through in an accent quite distinct from the medium's normal mode. You know, if you've seen the movie Ghost, to try to connect it for you, this was, this was my best thought process. If you've seen the movie Ghost, it has Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Patrick Swayze in it. This is what Whoopi Goldberg was doing. She was a medium. She was allowing someone to speak through her when, when people entered into her body. However, this is not good. I'm going to repeat it one more time to make sure I, I'm clear about this. This practice is not good, but it's real. Deuteronomy 18, 19 through 12 says, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. We could agree with that. Who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And Saul, what he was doing, he knew it was wrong. Remember, he had already cast him out. He knew that it was a wrong thing to do. But he turned from his own guidance. He snuck around and he sought the help of the world of darkness. Are you seeing the shattered wisdom? It's just spiraling out of control. And that's what happens in our own lives. God warned Saul. And he warns us in Leviticus. Leviticus 26 says, I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute himself by following them. I will cut him off from his people. And the end result, the end result for King Saul was tragic. It was tragic. Finally, shattered wisdom will only lead us to true despair to true despair and that's just not the thought of hopelessness but it's actual hopelessness actual hopelessness we see it in this chapter king saul was desperate but then he learned he had no hope no hope here's where scripture gets really interesting for us to understand you know, uh, us Midwestern Christians, we go to church on Sunday. Maybe we hit small group on Wednesday. Maybe we have a women's Bible say, you know, we're just studying God's word. We're just going about our day. We don't necessarily understand all these uh, evil side of things. The witch, or medium as she is called, calls up the prophet Samuel during his, her seance. And as she's doing this, Someone appears to her and to Saul. 
it is acknowledged that it is Samuel. Here's what it says, starting in verse 11. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God, lowercase g, coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground, and he paid homage. Well, I don't want to get too far off track here, but the question always comes about, is, was this really Samuel? Was Samuel actually coming back from the dead, uh, or, and they're able to see him? So I'm gonna, I'm, what I'm going to do, instead of me trying to uh, uh, communicate what it is, I'm going to read four things that we read in small groups. Four things that we read in small groups, and then I'll leave it to you. You guys are smart. Number one, some believe that this was a hallucination of the medium. But it doesn't make sense, because it doesn't explain why the medium was so frightened. It doesn't explain why Saul saw Samuel also, and why Samuel spoke to Saul, not, the med- not to the medium. So was it a hallucination? Uh, we were saying probably not. Number two, some believe that this was a deception by the medium, that she was deceiving Saul. But this also is an adequate explanation because of the same reasons, because Saul also saw it. Number three, some believe that it was a demonic impersonation of Samuel. Possibly. It is possible that the medium, with her occult powers, summoned a demonic spirit that deceived both her and Saul. But this suggestion is also inadequate because it does not speak to the issue of motive. After all, what advantage does Satan gain by Samuel's words to Saul? You try to look at it and say, why would an evil spirit, why would Satan have Samuel talk about God the way he did and and decree what was going to happen? The fourth one, fourth and final, some believe that this was a genuine but strange appearance of Samuel. And to, to us, this is the best explanation because it's supported by the reaction of the medium who got more than he bargained for, more than she bargained for. Remember, she was scared of it. It's like almost like she didn't realize she really had that capability. It also was supported by the truth of what Samuel said. And the text says that Samuel said it. Some may say that it was impossible for Samuel to reappear, reappear in some way, coming from a world beyond, uh, back to this world. But remember Moses and Elijah? Remember at the Transfiguration? They appeared with Jesus in Matthew 17, uh, verse 3. So as Samuel enters the scene here, as the prophet who's dead, he enters the scene, he's really annoyed, actually. And he quickly reminds Saul that God had already turned his back on him. That God's already turned his back on Why are you talking to me? God already turned his back on you. Saul's despair comes because he's reminded that he has no 
no more hope. Here's what the next verse says, starting with verse 16. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? I mean, think about if you're, put yourself in Saul's shoes right now, and think about if you're the one who's being told these things. The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Eumelech, uh, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also to you into his hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of the Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Saul knew that God was no longer on his side. He officially knew it now. And he knew that he was going to die within 24 hours. He also knew that the Philistines were going to win and that the kingdom was being given to David. I can't imagine. can't imagine hearing about this. I mean, this is true despair, true hopelessness. What if you knew that you had 24 hours left? What if you knew that you had no hope for the future? What if you knew that God had turned his back on you? I want you to think about that. What if you had that knowledge? And you learned it was because of your foolishness. It was because of, of the things that you have done and you have said and you have turned your back on God. We must remember that it's our job. That we must, we must turn to God today for his help. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This, this is unbelievable to think about, that God is going to judge all of us. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And today, today I urge that you turn from shattered wisdom to godly wisdom. Turn to the Lord, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. He promises us that. Repent. That means change your heart and change your mind. Change, change your ways. Humble yourself. I, I think that's a, a crucial thing is, is that we are humbling ourselves. We, we, we don't see this in Saul in his life. We don't see that he's humbling himself, that he's really having a heart of humility. Stop looking for answers in all the wrong places. Ephesians 2 says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. At one point you weren't a follower of Jesus Christ. You, you didn't know who he was. You didn't have salvation. Verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once 
were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All hope, all life, and all of our wisdom rests in one thing, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's everything. That's where we lose shattered wisdom and we gain godly wisdom, leaning into Jesus Christ, leaning into him, for he is everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What an opportunity it is that, that our wisdom we know is shattered due to our sin. We understand that, God. We understand that, that we can't do things the way they should, but the beauty is, is we have you. We have you to turn to. We have you to bow down to. We have you to thank. We have you for guidance. We have you to teach us. Would you teach us, God? Would you teach us today to be humble servants? I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. We love you, Jesus. We are so thankful for your life. We're so thankful for your death. We're so thankful for the resurrection and the hope. The hope. We don't have to live hopeless lives, God, but we have the hope of spending our eternity with you and worshiping you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.